0: Pastor Xavier Ruiz and the specifics of God's promise of His Son.
1: The Apostle Paul declares to the Romans that the Gospel of God the Father is about His fulfilled promise in sending His Son. God the Father had sent His Son as He promised. He says, concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So the Gospel is in reference to Him. Any Gospel that's void of Jesus is not Gospel. Any Gospel that's void of repentance from sin is not Gospel. Very specifically.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Our natural inclination to sin causes separation from God, and because we cannot make ourselves right or earn salvation on our own, God, in His loving kindness, provided a way to redeem us. And so, in his letter to the church at Rome, Paul, who saw himself the chief of sinners, encourages both Jew and Gentile that the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes is in the fulfilled promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
1: Notice the identity of Paul. Verse 1, Paul presents himself to the Romans as the author of the letter, Paul. Notice also, Paul presented himself to the Romans by his personal commitment to Jesus, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. He saw himself as a humble servant by this title. The word bond servant, as you know, doulos, means a slave by choice for life. Loyalty was a complete attitude toward his master. The duty was to obey absolutely and always. And he was only concerned with one thing, the will and the desire of his master. This is what he identifies himself as. Paul had come to the end of himself. And the title is the most common used by Paul, identifying himself with the Old Testament prophets, called the servants. Of God, You find it all through the Old Testament and the New. Those who were called by God, anointed by God, and the messengers of God to represent God in what he revealed to be spoken. Notice, secondly, you have the identity of the gospel in verse 2. Paul declared to the Romans that the gospel of God had been promised by God the Father before in the Old Testament, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, The Old Testament is compiled and is a composite of 39 books. The five, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Number, and Deuteronomy is called the Pentateuch. Those are the first five. Then you have twelve historical books from Joshua over to Esther. Then you have five poetical books: Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And you have five major prophets, really four, or five books: Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentation, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And then you have twelve minor prophets: Hosea down to Malachi. And that's the entire Testament of the Old Covenant. The Jews have the same books, but they put them under three different categories but they're the same books. Now, the Old Testament is progressive in his revelation of God the Father regarding the gospel because this is what he ties in, okay? God made a promise to the people and then God expected them to believe it, embrace it. Then he would come back and enlarge it another time by adding more details on it and God will continue to do that through the Old Testament. Progressive, the ultimate fulfillment is the New Testament which culminates in Jesus Christ a good example of the promise of God the father to Abraham is about the land and making him a great nation in Genesis 12 1 through 3 he called him out of his country out of his nation out of his family to a land that he would show him and he says those that bless you all will bless those that curse you all will curse and he was going to call him to a blessing in Genesis 15 2 through 4 he goes to God Lord is Elis are going to be my heir I have no children and he says, no, you're going to have a child of your own body. So even though he hadn't had a child yet, God says he was going to have one. And then later on in Genesis 17, Abraham's 99. And God said that the covenant that he was having with him is he was going to make him a father of many nations. And he changes his name. Your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham, father of many nations. And he would make him fruitful. And from him would come kings that would come from him. He expands it. Now, you can imagine Abraham out there having coffee, somebody coming by and says, Oh, what's your name? Oh, Abraham. Oh, great. How many children you have? None. But God was going to do it, right? The following year, Sarah had a child. God came down with two angels, Genesis 17 and 18, and she laughed because she was old, and he was old. Her womb was dead. He was old. But he had Isaac. Now, Notice Paul the Apostle declared that God preached the gospel to Abraham. This is incredible. Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, if you remember our in-depth study. It says, And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. He's quoting Genesis 12, 3. In his call, which is the second call, the first call is in chapter 11 of Genesis. At Harem with his father till he died. Then he went and got the second call. Right there, God said, The calling is to bless Jew and Gentile, all the nations of the earth. The Gentiles were always included from the beginning. Keep that in mind. God announced to Abram the good news, justification of both Jew and Gentile, by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We'll see this in the book of Romans. And Paul says... In Galatians 3.16, listen. Now to Abraham and to his seed where the promise made, he does not say, and to seeds as of many, but of one, and to your seed who is Christ. He takes him back to Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman, one person, the Messiah. Amazing. So the New Testament interprets the old. The new is concealed and contained in the old, And the old is revealed or interpreted by the new. That's the way it works, ladies and gentlemen. Notice God spoke directly to Abraham. This was nothing new. He preached the gospel to Abraham. Abraham understood the gospel, the Messiah to come. The gospel, Messiah, they're identical. You can't separate them. Paul is quoting the scriptures from the call of Abraham. That's what's amazing way back in Genesis 12, 3. Paul is not implying material blessing. He's applying and implying and directly stating the spiritual benefit of salvation for those who are lost. The key is in Abraham in like faith, looking to the Messiah to be blessed, conferred by the gospel of justification by faith. Abraham, by the way, was a Gentile at that time. As much as everyone else, Abraham came from Ur the Chaldees. He was uncircumcised when God gave him the promise. He was a Gentile. (laughs) Interesting. We'll see him when we get to chapter 3 and 4. Now notice also Paul declared to the Romans that the gospel of God had been proclaimed by the prophets in the scriptures. The prophets consistently confirmed the promise of the gospel, prophesying about the Messiah. The Messiah is a red thread from Genesis to Revelation. There's no other message. There's no other person. Isaiah reveals the coming of the Messiah, as you know. Isaiah 7, 14, a virgin shall bear a son. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, a son is born, a child is given. Isaiah 52, 53, the suffering servant. 42, the king, the servant king. All those incredible passages declaring about the coming Messiah. But they were expecting a conquering Messiah, but what they got was a suffering Messiah because the suffering had to come first for the reconciliation and redemption of the sinfulness of man. They didn't understand that. Daniel and Zechariah both tell us of the very day when Jesus would ride into Jerusalem on the donkey and the coal. Daniel 9, 24 to 26, Zechariah 9, 9, and then Matthew 21, and the other gospels record the very fulfillment of it. The very day, amazing. Micah declares the very city, Bethlehem. Micah, 5, 2. And David declares the sufferings of the Messiah to come in Psalm 22, so vivid, so specific, and that he would go down the shield or Hades, Shield the Hebrew, Hades, the Greek, in Psalm sixteen ten. But he would not see corruption. And Peter quotes it in the day of Pentecost. Wow. The prophets, the Scriptures, are only talking about one person, Jesus Christ. Literally is conveyed that the Scriptures are expired up from God. He's the source of the Scriptures. And the Scriptures deal with the revelation, the unveiling of the mind, the will, the plan, and purposes of God. If God not revealed to us about Satan, sin, creation, we would not know. We would be left to to obey and to believe the stupidity of evolution but we have a better option it's called creation (laughs) over 3,800 times we find reference like thus saith the Lord the Lord says the word of the Lord came to me the Lord says take and eat the spirit of the Lord came upon me so on and so forth 3,800 times what are we to make of that that the origin is man Paul places the Old Testament scripture and the words of Jesus Equal to Scripture. He puts them in 1 Timothy 5.18. Joining Deuteronomy 25.4 and Luke 10.7. And he says, Scripture. Holy Scripture. Divine origin. In fact, the Scriptures also deal with the recording of the revelation to be free from error. 2 Peter 1.20 and 21. Listen. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of private interpretation. Strike that word. Private interpretation is a bad translation. That's not what it says or what it means. It means impulse or origin. The prophecy of the scripture is not of human origin or impulse, but it is of divine origin, breathed out, literally, expired from God, which confirms the scripture in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Peter also assures us that since prophecy never came of the will or impulse of man, they were carried along by the Spirit of God. Now, not as some robotic reading and dictation. Certainly you can read Paul and John and Peter and see the difference in their personality and their writings. But they were anointed by God to write, to reveal the revelation, and to record it for it to be inerrant and infallible, resulting in the Holy Scriptures. And the Scripture is inerrant, is infallible. It does not mislead. It is reliable. It is trustworthy for life, practice, and eternity. What you have in your laps is God's inerrant, infallible Word. The Word of God, Holy Script. Listen, when somebody tells you the Bible has errors, pick up your Bible, say, Here it is, show me one. He's never read the Bible. And just to have some joke, say, Listen, why don't you turn the book of Hezekiah and look there? He'll be there all day. There's no book of Hezekiah. He doesn't know that. (laughs) Do you realize that there has never been one piece of evidence that has ever contradicted Scripture, historical, archaeological, or documentary? In terms of manuscript evidence, not one. Yet God so often goes, gets an archaeologist, sends them out to, to discover the Hittite dynasty or the tablet or something else to just expose the stupidity of the humanist. Listen to Paul, First Thessalonians 2.13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcome them not as the word of man, but as in truth, The word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. If you believe this is the word of God, it will work in you. If you don't believe it, it's not going to do anything. The identity of the gospel of God was promised through his prophets and holy scriptures. Amazing. He's never been to Rome. He's been preaching for 22, 23 years. He can't wait to get there. Man, he has this thing loaded. This is the treatise, this is the, 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 you should learn Romans. Walk through it in your mind. Notice thirdly the identity of the Messiah, 3 through 5. The apostle Paul declares to the Romans that the gospel of God the Father is about his fulfilled promise in sending his son. Look at verse 3. The message was that God the Father had sent his son as he promised. He says, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the gospel is in reference to him. Any gospel that's void of Jesus is not gospel. Any gospel that's void of repentance from sin is not gospel. The phrase, the son, refers to the son of God, the father. Two persons, the father, the son, okay? If God the father is eternal, so is the son. If God's all knowing, all powerful, all present, so is the Son. But He divested Himself of His glory, not His deity, and He limited Himself for a set time to become the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You understand I me? Mean? God became less than He was by choice to redeem us. But He can never become more because He is everything, He's the source of all things. The word Christ is a title, again, referring to His mission the mission of the Son, of the Father. Christos, anointed, referring to the promised Messiah. Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman. Isaiah 7.14, a virgin shall bear a son. Matthew 1.21, you should call his name Emmanuel. Wow. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth the son made of a woman under the law. Galatians 4.4, 4, right on time. God's never late. We just have the wrong schedule. The name Jesus, again, refers to the Son of God in his humanity, becoming the God-man. The Son of God has become man. His earthly name, Jesus, indicates of salvation, as we've seen. The Greek name of the Hebrew name, Joshua. The angel Gabriel told Joseph, you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins in Matthew 1.21, as I said. Very specific. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and God was the Word. And verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Whoa. Isaiah prayed, Lord, rent the heavens and come down. God says, 700 years I will, and He did. Wow. Answer your prayer. Jesus answered answer Isaiah's prayer. The title, Our Lord, refers to the personal relationship of the Messiah. Don't miss that. Our Lord, those who have confessed Christ as Lord and Savior, repented from their sins. He's Lord. If you know him just as God, there's a problem. Lord and Savior. Kurios, that means master possessor, the one that holds all authority and rights to my life. I don't have any rights or authority over my life. I belong to him. Now notice the message was that God the Father had sent his son according to the scriptures. Very important. Who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Jesus was born according to the seed of David, the family line of David. Now there's a contrast here between the human and The divine. But the line of David, Samuel promised in 2 Samuel 7 12 through 16 that first of all, Solomon would sit on the throne, short term. Long term, the Messiah would sit on the throne. Simple. His kingdom would be forever. Jesus is traced through two genealogies, as you know. People get mixed up here. The genealogy of Joseph is in Matthew, and is an ascension which goes through Jeconiah, who was the cursed line. He was cursed, and he could not sit on the throne. But Joseph didn't have to worry about that because Joseph was not the father of Jesus. So Matthew 1.11 says the genealogy of Joseph is through Jeconiah, which Jeremiah twenty two twenty four 24 through 30 says his curse came upon him because turning his back on God, he couldn't sit on the throne nor any of his descendants. But we don't have to worry about that because Joseph was not the father of Jesus, though he was in the line, the curse line. But Luke gives us a, a dissension... And in Luke 3.31, he goes through Nathan, the son of David. So Mary lines up with David's line through Nathan. And Jesus was born of Mary without the aid of a man. So we have the fulfillment of it. No contradiction. Both were in the line of David, but Mary is the one who fulfills it, the seed of the woman. Interesting. Now notice the Apostle Paul declared to the Romans that the gospel of God the Father is about the proclamation of Jesus Christ being the Son of God in view of the resurrection. Listen to his words. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Jesus declared constantly that he was the Son of God. That is why the Jews crucified him. They say, you making yourself out to be a man, or being a man, you make yourself out to be God. Blasphemy. Read the Gospels. Jesus demonstrated his power and the power of God throughout his life and his ministry. He raised the dead, he healed the blind, he cleansed the leper, and you can go on and on and on. He walked on water. Try that sometime. Jesus declared he was sinless and holy throughout his ministry. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He said, I do always those things that please the Father in the Gospel of John. One day he says, which of you convicts me of sin in John 8, 46? No one raised their hand. Amazing. Jesus was affirmed and confirmed to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. Notice that, by the resurrection. The word declared there means determined and decreed and appointed. Now, this does not mean that Jesus wasn't the Son of God before the resurrection. It only means that after the resurrection, he affirmed and proved that he was who he said he was all along. You understand? Jesus raised himself from the dead. By his inherent divine power, the word there is dunamis for power, according to the spirit of holiness, the third person of the Trinity. Acts 1 8, power shall come upon you. And all three are involved in creation. All three are involved in raising Jesus Christ. Let me give you a better one. Read John 14 15 and 16. We always say, well, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's true. But the Bible says in John 14 15 and 16 that the Father's in you, the Son's in you, and the Holy Spirit's in you. It's a crowded place. <laughs> Listen to the words of Jesus, John 10 18. No one takes it from me, his life, but I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay it down and to make, and I have power to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. We, don't, we even have a hard time raising ourselves up from the morning when the alarm rings. The two natures of Jesus are imperative. His deity his humanity, they're both necessary. It is one person with two conscience, two wills. Inseparably bound together, yet never mixing or blending, human and divine. Wow. Listen to the words of Jesus, John seventeen, twenty three. He refers to himself as one person, not two. I and them, you and me, and they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. You and I are an inferior trinity, but I never present myself that way. I am body, soul, and spirit. Now, some Christians' dichotomy, they believe just soul and body are the same. I reject it. Yet, I never introduce myself. This is Xavier's body. This is Xavier's soul. This is Xavier's spirit. But I'm a trinity, okay? When I die, this body goes to the ground. My soul and spirit go with God. Now, a non-believer has a body. So does a believer, right? Just the instrument. A non-believer and believer have a soul, intellect, emotion, and wills. But that's under the sin nature, so it destroys us. We abuse our bodies, our minds, everything else. But then the... Believer is the only one who has the spirit alive. The non-believer's spirit is dead. Before I was born again, my spirit was dead. So you must make a distinction between the two. When I die, my spirit goes before the Lord, but I'm going to also have a soul there, my intellect, emotion, and will. So you can't make it a dichotomy. It's a trichotomy. Body, soul, spirit. The Bible teaches that, okay? Very simple. So when we say that the God-man has come, we're referring to only one person, Two natures, not two persons. His divine nature was perfect, while his human nature was sinless in the unfallen state as the first Adam before the fall. That's why he's called the last Adam. The first Adam failed. The last Adam did not fail. The first Adam got us in trouble. The last Adam gets us out of trouble if we look to him and trust him. The gospel of God the Father is about his son, Jesus Christ, according to the scriptures. Listen to Paul the Apostle, 1 Corinthians 15, 3-8. In verse 3, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also receive, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Interesting. Verse 4, And that he was buried, and that he rose from the dead the third day, according to the Scriptures. The revelation of God. Verse 5, And he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve. Good witnesses. Twelve is a good number to go to court with. After... That, he was seen over 500 brethren at one time, of whom greater portion remains of the present day, but some have fallen asleep. 500 is even better at one time. There's more evidence in the New Testament for the resurrection than cases you have in course today. Verse 7, after that, he was seen by James and then all the 12 apostles. Because, well, 12, 11 minus 1, because he appeared many times to them. And then he says, last of all, in verse 8, he was seen by me also, one born out of due time. Speaking about Paul himself. And he's talking to the Corinthians because they're denying the resurrection. And so he concludes in verse 17 through 20 of 1 Corinthians 15, he says, And if Christ has not risen, yet your faith is futile, vain, for you are still in your sins, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most to be pitied, pitiable. But now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. First fruit. He's a sample of what is to follow. I will rise just like Jesus. i have the same body. I'm going to go through walls. I'm not going to need a car to go places. It's going to be great. (laughs) The identity of the Messiah is the God-man raised from the dead. Boy, he has just loaded him up for bear in the salutation salutation of Paul to the Romans identifies for us these three important things the identity of Paul is the bondservant and apostle separated to the gospel of God the identity of the gospel of God was promised through the his prophets in the holy scriptures and the identity of the Messiah is the God man raised from the dead man you know Christ? I hope so. I mean it's you know a secret. Jesus coming.
0: I'll keep it a secret. Are you ready? Pastor Xavier Reese, making ready for the second coming of Christ by explaining the finished work of his first coming. Simple truths from our new series in the book of Romans. Now, if you'd like to hear this message once more, or perhaps obtain a copy to pass on to someone else you know, it's titled, A Servant Ambassador of the Gospel. And you can request a CD for just $4. And this will include everything we heard the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, A Servant Ambassador of the Gospel. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 9-1-1-0-7. Or to make your request by phone, call 800 926 1485. Again, that's 800 926 1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com